Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Wednesday of Press Play with myself, George, here at pokestarter.gg, a fantastic place to go for reviews, guides, and any news you need about the space. <laughs> fantastic. And co-hosted, as always, uh, with Gaspode. Gaspode, say hello. Hello. Fantastic. Doing exactly as instructed. As always, we are joined by some fabulous guests. Today, our guest is from Infinigods. We're looking at building cross-game IP. So, Damon, could you go ahead and quickly introduce yourself? Yes, sir. Hello, George. I had to follow that. Um, hi, uh, my name is Damon. I'm a co-founder and CEO of Infinigods, and uh, we're a blockchain gaming studio. Um kind of based all over the place to be honest uh, we're scattered all over the all over the globe but uh making some cross gaming ip and i think we're going to dig into a lot of that here but happy to be here thank you for the invite and and uh for all your guests to join us fantastic it's lovely to have you up here today and we will be diving into everything related infinigods and your whole ecosystem but my first question kind of obvious question for anyone that has not heard of infinigods could you explain to us what it is what it does what they should be interested in sure i'm happy to do it so yeah we're a blockchain gaming studio making multiple products uh, around the mythological universe um and we have two playable products in market today. Uh, one is Infinimerge. It's a, as the game, as the title may allude to, a merge product uh, where you can come in casual puzzle-based game uh, and play and earn rewards and put them on chain and do all kinds of cool Web3 stuff uh, with trading to friends. We have uh, um, some collections, uh, some ETH-based collections, our uh, Elder God collection and some game passes. Uh, which which unlock and gate certain tournaments and things in our ecosystem. Um, we have another game, uh, which we used to call um, Infinite Towers, but now called Immortal Siege. Uh, it is a based off of uh, sort of a, it's an interesting mix of things, but it's really a real-time strategy game that has card-based mechanics, a very cool game. And uh, a new title we have coming up here this in September, actually, uh, which is our first to mobile product, um, called King of Destiny, um, which, you know, I'm sure we'll get into all this later. And we have lots of stuff and, and sort of philosophy about how we think about how these things kind of tie together. But um, that's a very broad-based uh, explanation of the ecosystem. And I've had a chance to play uh, both of your playable games so far, so I've got a bit more of an understanding of them. But why did you decide to go with more of the ecosystem rather than just one game? What, what do you see the benefit of having the two games now and then eventually the third as they come out? Yeah, thanks. Uh, that's a good question. And one I get asked a lot, actually. Um, and honestly, the, I think the, an ecosystem is stronger than any single game. Uh, it allows us to kind of make the whole experience for the consumer a lot more interesting um, because, first off, I recognize having been in the space and gaming actually professionally since 1997, uh, so a bit, bit a bit of a while, um, that, that players have different preferences. Um, so some people like to play strategy games. Some people like to play casual puzzle games. Some people like to play other types like player versus player games. 
And so why shouldn't we give them, you know, an offering or, you know, a set of offerings that kind of uh, speak to all their different preferences and styles of play? And the other thing, too, is with uh, Web3 and this new technology, you know, how do we augment that experience? Because people can play those games or similar games to to those games today. You know, what can we do that's unique and offering kind of this cross gaming eco or cross uh, ecosystem um, economics, uh, you know, where we can have certain items from one product be used in another product, um, you know, is, is an area that we've all wanted to explore for quite some time now. And, and the technology sort of enables us to do that. I love the idea that you uh, are thinking bigger than just a single game and a whole ecosystem. And the point you made of uh, gamers don't all like the same genre is so very true. Everybody has their favorite. Everybody might play multiple, but we tend to always have one we go back to. Mine, for example, is either survival crafters or MOBAs. Um, But I do play all the other genres. So I do like the way you guys are thinking of you're providing something for everybody to play rather than just going down exactly and and honestly it's also a recognition that you may just have different preference even within your own style like sometimes i do feel more like playing a casual game and sometimes i feel more like playing a strategy game and so you know to the extent that we can have that multiple offerings not just for a different level of consumer you know people who only play uh, a particular style but for us like myself who who like to play different things based off almost off my mood (laughs) yeah my mood depends on what i can do that's why i recently stopped playing dota and now play a moba version because i can't invest an hour that i need to play exactly 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 so when we're thinking of all these different genres and you've got three games coming out um that i understand are slightly different in the genres that they all do what made you pick these three genres as the ones you would tackle first and um a little bolt onto that do you plan to tackle more genres in the future as well? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take the second part of the question first. Yes, we do. Um, and I'll, I'll sort of flip back and forth. But how did we pick, excuse me, the genres? Well, you know, it's a bit of a complicated answer. Um, the simplest part of the simplest answer is we started with casual puzzle because we, it has the, lar- the sort of widest reach of any genre. And, you know, we were new uh, making this product, a new company, new into this call it Web3 gaming space. And we wanted to stick to a genre that had the broadest appeal so we could get into the market and try and test a lot of different things with our customers and see kind of what is resonating. I mean, you know, I would say a lot of us in the Web3 gaming space are just getting their our feet under us in terms of what works and what doesn't. Um, and we were no different, you know, we're that, that game was desktop first. Um, you know, I'm, I come from the casual free to play mobile space. Uh, so, you know, desktop was kind of a new, um, you know, kind of a, a new platform really, um, or I guess an old platform renewed, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so getting in there, you know, bringing tokenomics, which is something weird and new to a casual free to play player, um, is something, you know, it's, it, it's just a lot of new things that we wanted to to, to uh, test and try and, and be able to reach as many customers as we possibly could and, and call it that um, casual genre. And then the other genres are looking at, you know, kind of what's working in the existing gaming ecosystem, 
you know, in that, ca- you know, casual play type of environment, which is real time strategy is quite popular games of class games like Clash of Clans, etc. Um, and, uh, and then our, our third game, um, which I briefly touched on King of Destiny um, is, is more in that we, I guess it's, it's a category called luck battle. Uh, but it's more of a low skill, low to no skill player versus player um, genre. So we thought that those would be some really good genres to to target with with product because they're already kind of proven um, that they're popular and resonate with a broad based set of customers. I like that you've gone for puzzle because we don't see much puzzle really in Web three, yeah. even though. Uh, recent report showed that i think it was like 70 percent of americans said it was their favorite genre yeah we're mainly kind of sweaty fps's so going in puzzle I, I like that i think you'll get some people who maybe were missing out on their favorite genre because of the games on offer like as well and you, you did touch on kind of a bit of your background but when looking at the games so the two at the moment um they're browser based or are they um app based so they're browser based um not to get too deep in the tech you know, stack on anything, but um, since I have a technical background, I could at least speak to it a little bit. Um, they're all based in a, they're all written in a, you know, tool called Unity, which allows us to kind of pl- you port those games into different, call it platforms, one being desktop and mobile, of course, is one that we believe is the real way to scale these products. Um, but I would say as we were building and getting into the market, you know, there was a lot of, um, I guess questions and concerns around app store policies, uh, mobile app store policies is, is what I'm speaking to specifically, like uh, the Play Store and the Apple App Store. Um, you know, so it's like, so we were a little bit cautious going straight to mobile with the products out the gate. Um, so desktop felt like a comfortable environment for us. They are both desktop, um, you know, at the moment, uh, but our plans are to put those, put them onto mobile uh, into the into the stores. Now that I think we have a better, uh, clear um, path to that, and we understand sort of the pitfalls and what's the what what's the right way and the wrong way to kind of execute to get a product into mobile. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't judge you, Casper. Oh. Yeah, I, I like the the approach of it. Um, I, I, I was going to say browser because I have played both of them, but I didn't want to be wrong and look like a fool. So I, I posed it as a question. Um, but no, I like that. And it gives that accessibility, especially with the genre being a bit more casual. I think being easily accessible is kind of key for bringing people in for it. For sure. And then one thing you kind of touched on the, the assets already and you mentioned how sometimes that can cause problems with mobile. How does the assets work in terms of the ecosystem across the three games? How how are they all tied together? And do the assets work in all of them? Or are there a couple that are only game specific? Yeah, so uh, our philosophy is interoperability at the core. Um, And so our assets do work across all games. They will work across all games. They will always work across all games. Um, So for example, um, what our core call it Gen Zero collection is a collection called Elder Gods. And you can actually use those, uh, use that collection in our in our puzzle game Infinite Merge, uh, as well as Immortal Siege and the upcoming King of Destiny title. And just to give you an example, kind of what that does for um, listeners who aren't really sure, you know, so, okay, great, well, that sounds interesting. What does an Elder God do? Um, so in the merge game, actually, um, 
you you're as, as the title again uh, suggests you're merging pieces together to create a score and the higher the score the better you rank on a leaderboard it's basically as simple as that uh you know to explain at least the game's actually quite complicated when you get into it in a good way you know it's a lot of strategy and kind of a chess like puzzle game but um the Elder Gods give you power-ups in the game. Uh, so they allow you, for example, one of the god powers would be to shuffle the board around, shuffle all the pieces on the board around if you don't like the layout of the board at where it's currently at. Um, and so that, that power would be driven by a particular god in the Elder God collection, and, and different gods have different powers. Um, and so, you know, that, that's an example of how a god power, how a, a power of uh, one of our NFT collections would work in the ecosystem. In, in a, a particular game and then in a game like immortal siege that same god would have a different power actually in immortal siege it's even it's actually really cool you can uh summon your gods onto the play field and uh, have them go kind of you know beat on all the enemy forces that are coming towards your base um and but they also give you different types of cards in the game which allow you to do to summon different things and um, different powers, but um, and so and in and in King of Destiny, the Elder Gods will give you kind of boost to your tournaments um, as you're playing against other players. That allow you to pick and activate different types of kind of call it tournament powers uh, that enable you to be more effective and generate a higher score. I love the sound of that taking your god into all of your games to be able to dominate because you have this god sounds amazing. Um, following up on that, the way I'm thinking as well, as you've mentioned and touched on, that you love the idea of interoperability. So far, you've talked of the interoperability of being able to use the NFTs, yeah. um, the gods, these all three games. Are the games going to um, interact with each other? Um, we've seen examples of this, like one game, you produce X material, you send it to your other game, and then in the other game, it does Y. Um, is that something you're looking at, or is it only going to be your NFTs are just going to be playable in all the versions of games you release? No, actually, and I'll give an example um, uh, of this. We so so when you're we have uh, sort of our economic side of the game um, where you earn a power mini. We'll call them mini power ups. They're actually called followers, as is the example in our merge game. And uh, when you when you get enough of these, call it mini powers, uh, mini power ups, which again you earn through gameplay. Um, you can bundle those power ups into an NFT, uh, or an, um, I guess technically an ERC eleven fifty five, and then trade etc. to other players. And then you know if you have one of these eleven fifty fives, we call them arcs in this case. You can take that arc into our, our, our onto our site, and you can burn it for the number of followers that were in the arc to get them back. So now, you know, effectively trading these mini power-ups to other players or just buying more for yourself. We do not sell those as the developer. Those are kind of a player-owned part of our economy, which is a whole other topic we can get into. But um, And so... What those power-ups do, besides they, they actually have their own utility, uh, which is interesting. You can take one of those follower power-ups and use them in on your uh, merge board, uh, for example. But, uh, you know, I, gave, I went through the example of the Elder Gods, where they have these powers in, in the various games. When you use a power from the Elder God, it actually goes into a cooldown. And so it's a 24-hour cooldown. And if you want to use it again faster than the 24 hours, well, the way to do it is to take one of your followers, drag it on to that 
um, elder god, thereby, I guess we call it sacrificing the followers. It's a little bit of a strong term, but um, and uh, thereby using that up, consuming that power up, and your god is refreshed. Um, and so the interesting thing about that that sort of refresh dynamic is that it, it actually carries through all the titles. So if you're on merge, you can refresh with a follower. If you're on immortal siege, you can refresh, refresh with a follower. The interesting thing about that example with immortal siege is again, we don't sell um, followers. You cannot earn them in immortal siege. You earn them in a, in infinite merge. Um, so it, it creates this kind of interesting cross gaming economic um, dependency, which uh, you know uh, we think could be quite interesting to the ecosystem. I think the idea of the player owned economy to do with boosters is, like you say, interesting because we're quite used from casual games, especially mobile kind of puzzle games, that you get these boosters. But you are, like you say, normally buying them from the studio yeah. rather than the players. How do you see players kind of getting used to that transition and what kind of benefits do you think will attract them more from that in terms of people who maybe are used to the mobile side of boosters? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a loaded answer. I'll try to, because, you know, you really start to segment to, in order to, for me to answer that. I, I kind of feel like there's two answers. One answer for the Web3 gamer and one answer for more traditional gamer who isn't quite into this Web3 ecosystem yet. Um, and so if I'm a Web3 customer, I like it for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, it's, you know, obviously I have to look at supply demand. If I'm seeing there's a lot of demand for those, for those arc slash power-ups, um, then obviously I want to play the game. I want to earn these items and I want to be able to trade them to other players, thereby participating economically with the game. So there's kind of this economic incentive for me. Um, but, you know, with the player-owned economy, our general philosophy is we want players to own part of the economy. We want that engagement and that ownership into our ecosystem so people feel that they're engaged um, more than just playing a traditional game, that they actually own part of the game for themselves. And it's really up to them, you know, how much uh, supply comes into the uh, ecosystem and how much um, demand really, depending on their play, uh, how many players play and kind of their consumption. And so we think that that'll increase our, call it game KPIs or our game metrics um, by, by opening up uh, part of the economy to be player owned. Um, and we've seen some very interesting data that points us to that, um, that, you know, encourages us to continue down that path, I would say. And then, you know, just to quickly uh, flip to the how do I think that's going to look to a call it traditional gamer, somebody maybe who isn't so much into the Web3 ecosystem yet. You know, I do think that's going to be a bit of a holy shit moment. You know, like, wow, wait a minute, I can own part of this and I you know, I may get some kind of compensation by trading this element to another consumer. I think that, you know, that's going to be an amazing, um, you know, data point. And I think it's also a huge motivator, um, you know, to, to call traditional gamers. But in order for us to really get there, we have to have a frictionless solution um, and, and which, we're, which we're building as we speak. Um, so, you know, we're tackling that technically, but... Uh, you know, so I do think that there's this, you know, sort of uh, benefit depending on which which side of this uh, ecosystem you're coming in from. 
Yeah, I love all of what you're saying there. It does sound like it's going to be fantastic and a good way to look at everything as well, not only as a player, but as also the people behind the game as well. Um, and bringing into account that of the idea of a player-owned economy that you're then they're trading amongst themselves and then it's also on the outside of you've got these three different games that also have the nfts that are playable in all of them do you see you're going to have a community for each game um as well as an overarching ecosystem um, yeah that's a great question and i mean honestly i think the answer is yes i think we will see both um and i'm i'm pretty confident of that actually because it's, it really goes back to the player preferences uh, question earlier on, you know, that I think we, we sort of agreed just between us before we even got to this question. You know, what, what do you like to, what kind of genres? How did we pick our genres? What genres do you like to play? What genres do I like to play? And, and honestly, you know, I, I like to play many different things. Again, depends on my mood, depends on a, a whole host of things. But in general, I like to play a lot of things. There are people who like to play only a certain type of category, and that's what they'll, they'll be into. And, and if you just kind of extrapolate that, you know, uh, thought or that answer into the question about, you know, um, communities, um, I feel like they're very closely correlated, you know, like you'll just see people naturally who are casual puzzle people, you know, gravitate towards the merge game and maybe they don't ever play, uh, the other two titles or multiple titles that we'll have beyond that. Um, you know, just because that's their, that's their jam, uh, versus people who like myself are kind of in the, in, in, into all of it. And then I think the interoperability piece that we, we touched on as well, I do think is going to make some of that crossover maybe more uh, prevalent than would normally be um, because there is this kind of incentive, well, heck, I got this Elder God thing. Why don't I at least try this, you know, some of these other games? Be, I mean, because why not? You know, the, it, it works in those games too. You know, that might be a nice way to uh, get people who might not even traditionally try those other game types um, to get in there and try it. So I think there's, you know, this, there's a lot of kind of complementary elements here. I like all the complementary elements that are coming into it. And I think that will kind of give that strength that you mentioned at the very beginning, that having the ecosystem with a bit for everyone has definitely got more potential to be stronger than kind of putting all your eggs in one basket when you're trying and, to And honestly, that is, that works. is really a, you know, again, going back to a question you asked earlier, like, you know, what, what do you guys think with uh, many games versus just focusing on one? You know, I think as we were, you know, deciding amongst us, uh, amongst ourselves on the team, you know, strategically, you know, because, you know, of course, we could have just focused on one product and that's it. And we'll do that for the first few years and then, you know, add more as we go. You know, it's just too much risk. It's too much risk to put all your eggs in one basket. You know, I've learned that in my, you know, many years in the industry it's you, while it's a lot of risk to build a lot of things too um it's hard to build even one game let alone multiple so you know i, I don't want to discount that that definitely has its own challenges but if you um if you have experience building games and building products you know i'd rather take on the uh the risk of building multiple things and kind of smoothing out my risk that any one of those things doesn't have to be a home run, you know, um, versus putting all the eggs in one basket. I think that's just a deeper and tougher risk to dig yourself out of. And continuing with the idea of 
kind of diversification, really. The two that you've got right now are very much leaderboard focused when yeah. it comes to player versus player. Yeah. But you touched on the next one's going to have a bit more kind of PvP in it. Yeah. How do you see bringing PvP into the game and how do you think that will um, help with the community? Yeah, that's a good question. And, P uh, you know, PvP can be very polarizing. Um, and so I, I think, you know... I, when when you uh, get a chance to play King of Destiny, which of course I encourage you and all all the listeners to do, um, it is based off of some other popular titles in the category that I would say are again low to no skill PvP. I think you know medium to PvP typically is a high skill cap kind of category, or you need to be good. You know, I'll pick on Clash Royale just because I'm a huge Clash Royale fan and I have like all uh, you know level fifteen characters, but. Um, you know, it's tough to play. Uh, it's tough to play because you get to a certain point in the game where you're, you know, uh, you, your characters are such high level, and the, if it's a high skill, you know, there's people playing the game all, like all day long, and you, you get to a point where it can be quite frustrating. It's like I can't be competitive. I'm just never going to be that good. Um, versus like a call it medium skill, low skill PvP, um, like a games like Coin Master, Monopoly Go, which is a more uh, recent one. Um, where the level of skill you need to attack other players and, you know, have fun with it is pretty low, if, if, if not close to zero. And so that what that does is it still allows you to, to uh, you know, go after and target the broad-based audience without kind of alienating people who are, who are like, effect, effectively afraid of high skill cap. Um, but also bring in these interesting elements like the Web3 elements and the collections that we talked about and do them in a meaningful way where, you know, they can add powers to the, to the game. Maybe you get an extra shield, maybe you get a stronger attack, something like that so that, you know, it's, it's me versus you. And yeah, maybe I have a slight advantage, but it's still all in the interest of fun. I think you are the first person I've ever heard in this space talk about not making a PvP game that has a crazy high skill ceiling. Well, if you do and it, I if you do it, which you can, you just better be damn sure that audience that's going to be participating in it is good enough to, to carry your company. I, I love that. I love the idea that it's more accessible to everybody if they're not afraid of stepping into PVP because they're potentially just going to get stomped every single Yeah, time. I mean, why would we, you know, we want our ecosystem to be open and available and accessible. You know, our games aren't gated by NFTs. They're free to play, all of them. Um, we mentioned, you know, how NFT collections are used in the games, but we don't have it where, look, you just can't play Merge, for example, unless you have an Elder God or a Follower or an Ark or any of the other things I talked about. You can just come in and play. So, you know, that's that's very important to me, uh, just both philosophically and, and you know, I think business uh, from a business perspective. Um, but, you know, I, I carry that into the conversations even around genre selection and, um, you know, to this latest conversation around the skill. It's, you know, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of games that, you know, Clash Royale is an incredibly successful title by more or less all measures. Um, so, 
but it's just not you know what we're going after we're going after something more open and and lower skill to be more inclusive um which we think ultimately will give us access to a very broad audience be able to onboard millions and millions of customers we need to have call it those abstraction layers so that people don't really understand or know that there's blockchain technology behind all this but we, you know, we're get it, we're able to sort of get the benefits that that technology uh, enables, like market, you know, openness, marketplaces, and you know, digital asset ownership, stuff like this. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I'm really, really keen for the idea of it that it's not going to be only the sweats that are the ones that can win. It's most people can, and it's just as inclusive as possible. Exactly. Um, you touched on uh, towards your end part there some of the bits we see commonly in this space as well, and obviously one of the biggest things of building where we are building is the uh, the transparency and the building with the community, as people love to say. Yeah. Um, how do you find building more openly with the people that eventually are going to become your players, uh, opposed to the traditional method of they might see an early access and then they get the full release? It's such a great question. I love this because. You know, again, you know, I touched on my years experience in, in the industry. I know it's a lot and I know it goes back far. Um, so, you know, I've seen a lot of different kind of cycles of the industry and different new technologies emerge. Um, but as you as you just asked through your question around, you know, how does it feel versus open versus not? I, you know, my history has been in the not so open part of it where, like you say, you get a beta and that's about and you maybe solicit some feedback and that's about it. Uh, and I'll tell you, even from day one, when we started, uh, we, you know, we opened up our discord and started getting customers in and, you know, we launched our game passes to start as our first NFT collection, uh, which gated you kind of beta access, early access to our merge game. And then it kind of went from there. Um, sort of so for us from day one because we were in market very early with the game we we had our you know elder god collection come out let's call last june and then the game was basically merge was live you know weeks later um and so you know we were getting that feedback more or less day one um and i want to say it's it's just been so refreshing to literally see, you know, in real time almost, you know, okay, we push a release and then, you know, we're monitoring Discord and, and seeing comments and listening to players. And we have, if you're, you know, if you uh, own one of our um, uh, ultimate passes, uh, one of our game passes, you're into a different channel in Discord. So, you know, call it our more VIP consumer uh, who's really going to give you their, uh, you know, unsolicited feedback uh, because they feel even more invested. Um you know, and, and when we go ahead and, and execute on that, first off, some of the ideas that we get through the community are just genius and you wouldn't you wouldn't think of it. You never know where the best ideas are going to come from. Right. And so, you know, for us to not only take that feedback, but also execute on the feedback in short order, because we're doing more or less weekly releases at that point, you know, and then the, the seeing the elation from the community like, wow, you know, I just mentioned this a week ago and it's already in the game. You know, it's like I feel like that is the right way to go. Um, it takes some discipline on execution and prioritization, et cetera, um, which is always a challenge building stuff. Um, but if done right, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a bit logical, like that should make, uh, that should drive up the, the community engagement and make your product ultimately better because it's your customers who you're building it for in the first place. 
I think that's definitely something that people are very excited for. And I know that they I know a few people who are, who are very involved and are always pop, popping out kind of ideas, what they'd like to see with it and giving feedback around the different builds. I know I played a couple of versions of Merge and then a couple of versions of Siege. Um, I saw that the difficulty was increased. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw that on Twitter, people talk about that. And I was thinking, yeah, I, I noticed my, my first one, I was stomping. I cleared the level, looked really cool, looked like I knew what I was doing. Second time I did it, I just got absolutely rolled. Yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like you, it's as you say, you know, me. you have to listen. And you have to listen and, and you have to interpret too, right? Because there's there's what somebody says and what they meant, <laughs> you know, which could be pretty drastically different, uh, you know, or maybe you need to ask more questions and dig into it deeper. So, you know, it's not an exact science, but obviously if, you know, the, the majority comments are the easy ones, you know, if everyone's like, if you hear whatever, nine out of 10 people saying, you know what, the levels were great, they were just too easy, then that's an easy one. If it's, hey, you know what, this piece uh, on merge doesn't make sense to me when I merge it, it should be this other piece, uh, you know, that would make a lot more sense as to why it's, you know, more valuable or whatever, you know, those are more subjective comments that you kind of have to, you know, um, you know, just dig deeper on or, or filter. Just to you, Georgia, slight baby instant. <laughs> yeah, no worries, no worries. So Gaspard is busy getting a train thrown at him by one of his children. <laughs> I've been there. So, I've um, been there. I totally appreciate the situation. <laughs> um, so the, the next question Gaspard was going to is, what do people, uh, the listeners here and just your players in general, what do they have to look forward to in the next three to six months? Say? Yeah, I think what they have to look forward to is a really big shift in, I would say there, there's so much, but I'll try to focus on a few things so I'm not uh, overwhelming the answer. Um, what they have to look forward to is our mobile first title, King of Destiny, which is coming out in September. And it is in both app it will be uh, released on both app stores so it'll be in um you know google play and and the ios uh, apple app store um and that is a game that we plan to put quite heavy support from a marketing perspective around um it is difficult i mean i know this is a slight tangent but it is difficult to scale web games or desktop games it's just tough um, most players is in the in the gaming space are on mobile for maybe obvious reasons, but it's worth saying. And so, what what the uh, what people have to look forward to in the ecosystem is a hell of a lot of consumers. We're gonna we're gonna we've we've constructed the game in such a way that it is, you know, the Web three details are abstracted, and um, and that that's going to allow us to onboard a lot of traditional gamers. Um, but it will have those Web3 elements. They'll just be, you know, technically hidden, effectively hidden through, you know, wallet abstractions and other kind of interesting technology bits that, that glue together. And I think that's going to be, if you're currently in the ecosystem and you're looking, you know, when are we going to have called the 100,000 player type numbers, you know, that's going to be through King of Destiny and, and our sort of, um, you know, major push in that direction call it over the next, uh, you know, it takes time to acquire those kind of users, time and money. Uh, and so it, it'll be months uh, for us to get there. But within six months, we'd like to be there um, with that broad base. And the other thing I would say, too, is in King of Destiny, you know, we want those Web3 elements. And for all the interesting, you know, interoperability reasons we talked about before. Um, and so 
what we're inter- what we're really looking forward to, I guess, on that side is how do we do it in such a way that it's really seamless. And I think uh, our our community and our customers will be super interested, excited, happy that um, you know we have a solution to do that. I think in a pretty kind of novel and interesting way. Sounds awesome. It sounds like they've all got a lot of things to be excited for. And I do like the fact you keep touching on that mobile is one of the biggest areas for gamers now. Um, I live in Asia, Thailand to be specific, and um, they are mainly mobile gamers. Yeah. <laughs> that's how come I mean, that's the industry, right? It's just we haven't been able to get there because of technology and regulatory compliance and store policies. And, you know, there's a whole host of like, you know, um, sort of i don't want to say negative but but things working against us and uh and you know it just takes time to navigate through that but we're we're pretty excited about you know being able to do that now um and so honestly it's like looking forward that's where gamers are don't you know i don't i don't think anyone on this call or or you you know fool themselves to think okay well web is the ultimate you know web or or desktop is the ultimate platform it's not um if you're looking at numbers of gamers uh and so you know for us to really scale our ecosystem and our community it really needs to be through that mechanism exactly so with all these things that people have to look um out for where is the best place for them to stay up to date with anything you guys are doing you know it's the it's the typical channels you know we've got our we've got discord we have twitter um we have our website um you know i we're trying to be on as many spaces and these kind of outreach and uh you know um programs as we can um and so i think those traditional channels are are sort of the best ways to to uh follow what we're up to awesome so everybody listening now make sure you go and follow them at all of these locations so you can be as excited for everything that they have coming out as well um so before i wrap up it has been great to have you up here with us today do you have any final words before i go into my finishing monologue well, first of all, thank you, obviously, for the opportunity to be here. I appreciate everyone who's, who's uh, you know, joined us and listening in. Um, feel free, uh, by the way, for all the listeners to reach out, um, you know, DM me on Twitter. Uh, however, you can get a hold of me in Discord, um, you know, post things in Discord, uh, questions, etc. And we're pretty good about responding to those. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining. I hope, uh, you know, the information I gave is interesting, exciting. I want you to join us in any way you can. Um, and yeah, thanks for letting me uh, give me the opportunity to talk about it. It has been a pleasure to have you up here. And thank you, everybody that has come along again this week to listen to everything we've had to say. I hope you've found this as interesting as I have. I've not managed to cover this as much as I would have liked to or as much as Gaspode has already. But I will be certainly making sure I get out there and get into all of this. If you guys are joining late or you joined early and left and came back and missed anything, this will also be used as a podcast on four locations. I will name them all correctly again this week because I succeeded last week. I'm not stalling while I try and remember what they are. It is Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can find this as a podcast later if you missed any of this and you just want to listen back and find out more information about Infinity Gods. Uh, thank you, Damon, for coming up and speaking to us today. Thank you, Gaspode, for co-hosting, as always. Everybody, remember, if you want to find anything out, my best suggestion is to go to polkstarter.gg and check there for anything. We have some new stuff coming for our platform very soon as well. I am not allowed to leak, 
but we have stuff's coming. So make sure you come back next week. Make sure you have a fantastic rest of this week, and I'll see you all then. Until then, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.